the Medical School HQ podcast, session number 86. Hey, this is Z-Dog MD, rapper, physician, legendary turntable health revolutionary, and part-time gardener. And you're listening to the Medical School HQ podcast, hosted by the irredeemably awesome Ryan Gray. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and I believe that competition amongst your pre-med and medical student peers is detrimental to becoming a great physician. In this podcast, we show you how collaboration, hard work, and honesty are critical to becoming a superior physician in today's healthcare environment. How are you doing today? I am joined again by my lovely co-host, Hello, everybody. Dr. Allison Gray. Hello again. This is two weeks in a row. Yep. I don't know why I decided to bring you back. (laughs) We got all those complaints about you. Thanks a lot. No, we didn't. Just kidding. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing excellent. What are we talking about today? We are doing a question and answer podcast today. We get so many emails from all of you wonderful people out there, and we thought that we would answer some questions today. Yes. Yeah, we we do get a ton of emails, and I love getting all the emails, and I love answering them, but it's more a one-on-one question and answer. I'm I'm not able to share those answers with everybody, which is why I prefer... I'd prefer if if listeners, if you, if you had a question, leave an audio question, and that way we can play it here on the podcast. We can give our answer, and then everybody can benefit from it instead of just me emailing you. And I'm okay if you if you don't like your voice uh, or your your recorded voice, like I didn't when we started this. That's fine. You can email us, and, and we're happy to email as, as much as we can. Um, sometimes we're a little behind, but we do the best we can to, to get back to you. So if you, if you want to ask us a question and you want to leave some audio questions that we can play here on the podcast, just go to medicalschoolhq.net slash question, and you can ask a question there. There's a, a little button, and uh, you can ask away. But we, uh, Allison and I went through and selected a bunch of emails that some listeners have sent us. And so we'll go through those, answer them. I think most of them we've already answered. Maybe there's one or two that we haven't answered yet. And they'll get their answer here. So Sounds good. All right. So to start, let's go with, and I'll probably butcher this name because it's, it's spelled L-A-T-E. I don't know if it's late or Latte or late late tea? I, I, I'm so sorry. But he's asking, or she's asking, I don't even know. Is that a guy's name or a girl's name? I don't know. Anyway, it's so hard. This, this, why, this is why I prefer audio, because then I know. I know. Right? All right. Anyway. Well, we just have a disclaimer for everyone out there. We are so sorry. We've, each of us has had, well, I don't know if you have. I've had my name butchered on many, many occasions. So. How do you butcher Allison? Well, it's more my last name, but... (laughs) How do you butcher Gray? Well, uh, someone (laughs) called me Dr. Grant. I don't know how that's possible. But when I was Cohen, my maiden name is Cohen, Allison Cohen, and it would get butchered all the time. Paging Dr. Cohn. I mean, it goes back to my days... Well, I won't tell you what people used to 
make fun of me, you know, with the nicknames, the horrible middle school nicknames. But anyway, the point is that we've all suffered from uh, from from name butchering. So forgive us if we're doing that back to you. We yep. just don't so, know how. So here's actually a piece of advice that yeah. you can use in your medical career is when I walk into a patient into a patient room and I know that I am totally going to butcher a name, I won't even try to pronounce it. I'll ask. I'll be like, can you pronounce your name for me? I, so, but you have the advantage, Ryan, of going into a room to see a patient after it's already, after that patient has already been brought into a room because I've seen you do this at work by your medical assistant. And so for me, I go pick up my patients in the waiting room. So mm. the question becomes, how do you handle that properly? Yeah. So it's called get an assistant. <laughs> well, we have assistants, but, and actually some of the physicians in my practice have uh, their patients brought back, but I just like as a practice to just bring mine. Anyway, you ask the front desk to screen those hard names and, and, and ask, write, That's it, a good idea. write it phonetically for you. But well, yeah, you know what? So I should, when I look at my schedule at the beginning of the day or the day before, I should see that and make a note of mm-hmm. it and ask them. That's a very good yeah. and then idea. then they can write it phonetically. Because you know what I do is I either wing it and I say the name and then I ask them as I'm walking them down the hall. So did I, red. well, maybe, but so did I answer, did I uh, pronounce your name correctly or how do you pronounce your name? Or I just call them by their first name, which some people don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, or I just say, but you can put your first names too. I know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, major tangent, but yeah. So sorry if we are butchering your name. Yeah. So he or or she is asking about taking medical school classes, a prereqs at community colleges. Uh, that's the, the subject of his question. He, he goes into a big, uh, discussion about why he had to do it. He's actually, um, uh, English as a second language. He's an immigrant from Africa, but he's here in Boston. He's in our hometown. He actually goes to school right around the corner from us at Brandeis, which is awesome. So he's he's obviously flourishing with English as a second language on his way to hopefully get into medical school. And I'll, I'm going to say he just, uh, I'm sorry if he or she, but I'll keep saying he. Um, but, but he needed to... Um, take some classes at community college uh, to to be able to start the higher education and, and process. And so the question is, is that going to hurt him uh, getting into medical school? And what should he do next? Should he retake his prereqs at, at a four-year school at, at Brandeis, which he's at now? Or should he look on continuing to build on those prereqs and take the higher uh, level courses in those sciences? And it's a very common question. We get this question a lot about um, community college. And uh, what are your thoughts on this, Allison? So I think that um, certainly if you have the option of of taking these classes at an accredited four-year school, that's better in a sense. I mean, that's optimal, I would say. But there are many of you out there who um, either non-traditional students who are working and don't have the finances to also be in school at a big private university or night classes, right? You're taking night classes. You're in a, you know, a place out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there are all sorts of circumstances that could lead you to have to take classes at a community college. And the major reason why we say it's optimal if you can be at a four-year school is that you're part of what you're doing with your prereq courses is you're showing the admissions officers, the committee that you can handle hard science and at a a level of rigor that is going to allow you to then be able to handle medical school classes. So if they see that a lot of your classes were at a community college and you got all A's, they may say, well, that's great, but that doesn't tell me that this person can be successful in those 
those subjects or even harder science subjects at medical school. So um, what we often will recommend is that if you know that you're going to be, you're already in community service, sorry, community service, you're already in, that's our next question, <laughs> you're already in community college classes um, or you're planning on it and you really have no other way around it, email or contact, call or email the, the the actual medical schools that you're interested in applying to and ask them directly. Say, look, you know, these are my circumstances. How do you feel about me taking these classes at a community college? Is that something that will be acceptable um, or or not looked well upon and see what they have to say? Yeah. And I, if you haven't listened to some of our older podcasts, Carrie, back in session 74, actually talked about this. She talked about how she had to do some prereqs at community college and how she reached out to the to the few colleges or medical schools that she wanted to go to because she was limited geographically and explained her situation and said, here's what's going on, this is what I'm thinking about doing, and what do you think? And she got sign-off from admissions people at these medical schools, and she stayed in contact with them, and that's always I think is that the number one answer for anybody asking that question is go reach out to the medical school they're very open unless you are an applicant that year uh, then there's some restrictions on the communications that they can have with you but they're very open with talking to you I think people get very nervous about that that you feel like if until you're in medical school you have your foot in the actual door and you're you're still pre-med just does you know it depends what part of the pre-med process you're in but I think people get very skittish about actually contacting the medical schools directly. So our our comment to you is don't be shy until you actually are an applicant. Then, as Ryan said, there are some restrictions on what information can be asked and given and all that. So, um, well, not asked. You can always ask. But, you can always ask. Yeah, but, uh, you know, certainly before you actually submit your applications, be, be open, call them. Just, you know, make sure you know what you want to say before you call so you don't sound like a crazy person you hang up the phone because you're too nervous or something. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, also, speaking with Dr. Politis from Wash U, who's a pre-med advisor there, as well as uh, somebody that's involved with admissions at the medical school, uh, I interviewed back him back in session 23 and session 35. And I believe in both or one of those, we talked about community colleges as well. So that's where you can get some more information about community colleges. So the next question is about volunteering options. Allison, you want to talk about that one? Sounds good. Um, so uh, this person, Bethany, talks about her experiences with volunteering. And, and she's asking where, what kinds of things can she do in a volunteering way what kinds of volunteer opportunities could she could she participate in that are not really healthcare based uh and it's interesting she talks about how she's a non-trad and and she's been working as an EMT um or I'm sorry not as an EMT but as a volunteer on an on an ambulance and uh, for quite a long time for 7 years but she's now looking for what other volunteering uh opportunities are out there this is a great question and i think uh you can hear more about this on this the episode 68 with the university of utah assistant dean of admissions and he and ryan talk about the difference between shadowing opportunities that you can have with a physician and patient exposure because there really is a, a difference there and shadowing is sort of more of a passive activity 
uh, interacting with patients, patient experience, that's really more getting your hands dirty. So they, they're making a distinction there. And I definitely recommend you all go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. But it's important when you think about opportunities, these experiences really is the word I'm looking for that you've had. You want both clinical experiences and also some volunteering. And the clinical experience part is, is a given because you're trying to show medical schools you really have to in this day and age that you have taken the time to spend time with a physician to really try and understand what they go through on a daily basis, what life is like as a practicing physician. Um, and and you have to be really, uh, as we always say, close enough to smell the patient because you have to be, you have to have that that interaction with patients alongside that physician to really get a sense, the, a sense of the totality of it all about what is it all about. But I think and medical school admissions committees would agree, it's really important to have other volunteering types of experiences. Part of that is showing that you have the ability to put others first, to give of yourself to other people, to give back to your community, because these are things that as physicians, we that, that's part of what we do. That's part of what we, what we should be doing is to give back. And I mean, we, t- we talked a lot about that with our, our session on burnout back in session 47 we talked a lot about why we burn out and it's because we're putting others before ourselves yeah so there's a balance there absolutely but i think it's it's really important if if you've gone through your whole life and you've never really had the opportunity to give back to another person a community a group of people in a way that's not about just forwarding your own life and your own ambitions there you're you're really missing out it's it's a really important thing in this life in my opinion to give back to other people and not just because it's a resume booster because you're trying to to put it on your application for this that or the other and but before you get into some of these finer details you mentioned earlier that you're trying to show to admissions committees that you so that's true <laughs> that that you're you're showing them that you like medicine, you're aware of all the heartaches and blah, blah, blah. But it's also showing yourself what you're getting into oh, and, 100%. and making sure that you actually like being around yes. patients. And I think that's the other side of it. They're, they're, both of those are equally important. And so I think with volunteering, someone once told me, don't do something that you're going to do just for the sole purpose of putting it on your application. You want whatever you're going to volunteer and whatever you want to participate in to really be something that you take hold of, that you enjoy, that you um, that you devote yourself to, because it's going to be very obvious to people when you are asked about it. You know, so tell me about that experience you had when you you went to Honduras and you built homes for this community of people and, and you're totally not interested in talk about how you went to the beach the whole time or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's not that many of you I'm sure would do that, but it's, it's important to, to find something that you connect with. And uh, ideally, maybe you've been doing this anyway, but if, if you, you see that you're going to apply for something and, and you need some volunteer experience, try to look for something that you can really connect with. And so to answer your question, Bethany, what what suggestions for people um, to, who want to branch outside of healthcare for meaningful and qualifying, as you put it, volunteer experience? So there is there are so many different things that you can do. You can volunteer at a senior center and um, read to elderly people, play cards with them, uh, spend time with them. You can... Um, volunteer with uh, the Boys and Girls Club. You can volunteer with Big Brother, Big Sister, which is a wonderful program uh, where you interact with kids who have had difficult um, difficult time for one reason or another and are looking for a, um, a mentor. You can also volunteer. A lot of colleges and high schools have 
uh, volunteering opportunities um, for tutoring, which which don't uh, you don't get paid for anything, but you just an opportunity to to help the other individual with with whatever subject that they're having trouble with. You can volunteer um, in terms of uh, also in a lot of schools they have enormous numbers of volunteer opportunities where you can go abroad um, to different uh, locations. My my friend in college uh, participated in a program called Three Amigos, uh, where she went to uh, different countries in Central America and absolutely loved it. Wouldn't it be Trace Amigos? It might actually be called that, and I apologize. Um, but uh, it's she, and she just actually went for her reunion recently. And uh, Habitat for Humanity is another wonderful one. So there are just tons and tons and tons of, of great volunteering opportunities out there. And I, I don't think that this has to have as much sort of strict criteria around it as the clinical experience does. When we think about clinical experience, you have to be close enough to smell the patient, along working with alongside a physician. Those are equally important. And and for us, you know, enough period of time where it's not just like once or twice. For volunteering, I think you still want to be doing something where you're doing it for at least a, a significant period of time. Again, not just once or twice, but there, there are far fewer restrictions on it, I would say, wouldn't you, Ryan? I mean, really, the sky's the limit. As long as you're giving of yourself to another person you're, or people, you're not getting paid uh, and, and you're doing it more than once or twice. Yeah. And and it's something that's meaningful. Yes. Uh, you, you just mentioned not more than once or twice. This is something where you want to show consistently, just like with um, I'll shadow, shadowing, you can kind of get away with a, a little bit, but the clinical experience, you're going to have to and and there are some differences there as well. We can we can give our own examples. I mean, tell you know, share with us what you did when I did Habitat. Okay, I love doing Habitat. I didn't know you did Habitat. I did Big Brothers Big Sisters too. Yeah, I I did Big yeah. Brother Big Sister. I also um, volunteered at an epilepsy ward at uh, the Montreal Neurological Institute when I was in college, where we would just uh, go around and hang out with the epilepsy patients who were there for monitoring and and play cards with them or talk with them, read read with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a ton of, of yeah. opportunities. You just got to get out there and and look. But Habitat is definitely was definitely my favorite, and it's funny because Bethany said something other than Habitat. Maybe she doesn't like to. Well, with Habitat, you build houses, right? Yeah. So yeah, you do. Yeah. All right, moving on. So Brianna asked a question about finding an advisor or a mentor. She graduated from college in 2012 and she's in touch with her advisor but she's finding it difficult finding answers to pre-med questions and she's looking for where she can find this advisor relationship so my first thought was since she graduated from a university to go back to their pre-health offices and say I'm a call I'm a graduate of your institution I'm an alumni here and I would like some help. A lot of these health professions advising offices will continue to advise graduates. So if, if you still have questions go back to them first. And she actually even said that, but I guess the struggle is she's no longer on campus and that can be challenging. Yeah. Because it's that face-to-face time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there are other places. Obviously, the internet is is there. Um, there there's all of the resources that we talked about actually a couple podcasts ago about 10 pre-med resources. You can go to Reddit. You can go to Twitter. You can go to Student Doctor Network. <laughs> I like how you coughed through that one. I was yeah. wondering if you were going to mention it. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, so, you, if you're looking for advice and and honest and up to date information, I probably wouldn't go there. Yeah, 
definitely won't knock it too much. No, 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 it's okay. So those those are places you can go to, and then you can look at medical schools. Don't don't think that uh, for pre med advising that you 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 can go to the medical schools just as we were talking about. They'll answer questions. They'll say, "Hey, I've graduated. I'm kind of in limbo here. I really want to go to your school. What do you recommend?" Or go to them with your thoughts on what you are doing. Don't just go with a blank slate. Go with with what you have planned out and ask what their advice is. Again, yeah. Then you're getting it straight from them. And some of you may be thinking, well, gosh, you guys can ask them. You're you're already out and you're practicing. But we really mean it. We have talked to so many advisors and uh, on admissions. Uh, sorry, not so many advisors. Well, them too. But so many admissions officers at this point. And uh, I remember at a conference we were at last year, they they kept saying, please ask us. We, we are, you know, don't be afraid. Come tell us what's going on with you. What are... And, 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 by you, they're talking about the pre-med student. Let us know what your concerns are, and we're we're happy to talk with you. They said that so many times. Yeah. So don't don't uh, forget about them. And then there are paid pre-med advisors, and it's typically very expensive. There there are a couple out there. It's three four hundred dollars an hour to talk to people. There's packages that are three four thousand dollars. And that's, um, that's an a option, stretch. But it, it's okay. but it's an option, and and obviously these companies are there and they're they're out there doing their thing, so people are paying for it. And, and one of the things that Allison and I thought about when we started the academy was how crazy these prices were and how most pre meds can't afford it. But kind of along the same lines as doing a question and answer podcast like this, is we get so many questions, and how great would it be if we could kind of aggregate all that information in one community and that's why we started the academy so it is a paid pre-med advising site um, but it's very different it's it's a small monthly fee but you get monthly office hours with us you get the community aspect you get um, webinars and a, a bunch of other stuff so that's we are we are pre-med advisors in the academy it's a paid option uh, which not everybody can afford but pretty cheap go to join the and you can find out more yeah if you buy a couple pizzas a month you can afford it <laughs> a couple pizzas like four coffees from starbucks there you go yeah it's crazy how <laughs> four mocha lattes in your set yeah but we really we love interacting with the community and and uh providing as much information and advice uh as, as we can as we can give and we interact one-on-one and the community is made up of of a whole you know a ton of pre-meds and um other and experts as you will and uh, just sharing information um and in a collaborative way um so we're delighted to to help folks who want to um participate yeah join the academy.net so the next question from camille who asks uh, he's a senior in high school, which is awesome. Isn't that cool? We have high school students listening. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, a high school senior, he wanted to get into Harvard or Yale, but that's okay that you didn't get in there because that's okay. And there's, there's a big study about getting into your, those, those top-notch schools and your perception of happiness just drops. Is dr- that true? Drastically, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wonder why. Uh, because you're being compared now on a level with other people that are just way above 
what you're used to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and you're there, and it's it's a stretch, and you're working probably harder than you thought you might be, and so your happiness just drops. Interesting. Where and, and your grades not might might not be as good, and you're it's just there's a I think it was in the book Decisive, mm-hmm. didn't we? Uh, we read that together. Yeah, and or I would listen and I, to it together. Yes, <laughs> and I would say that many of the smartest people out there are Harvard rejects, though. <laughs> it's true. Yes. Are you one of them? Of course. Well, sort of. I was up until residency, and then I oh, okay. <laughs> now I'm Harvard trained. But okay, but go. yeah. Oh, I was a Harvard reject. I was uh, rejected from Harvard undergrad and Harvard med. I'll be honest. We're all we're all about authenticity here. Yeah. So Camilla's asking. He's his two top choices are Quinnipiac and UConn. And his really is his question is around finances quinnipiac 17 grand a year versus yukon six grand a year which is awesome i'd I'd always advocate for the cheaper price the name of the uh, on your diploma doesn't really matter that much it's what you're putting into the effort at the school that's what's that's what's going to matter that's so true you know even at the harvard of canada where i went to school at mcgill they i will never forget the head of the entire science school science faculty got up at the front of the room in front of all these hundreds and hundreds of of freshmen of new students who were uh, all going to be in different areas of science, physiology, bio, you name it. And he took out a big top hat and he had his hand out and he said, "Uh, okay, I'm going to put my hand in here and who thinks that I'm going to get a rabbit uh, out? And he had this like magician's outfit on. So of course everybody raised their hand and they thought, yeah, you know, he's going to pull out a rabbit. So he reached his hand in and he pulled out nothing. And he said, so answer me, smart people. I put my hand and I didn't get anything out of it. Why is that? And someone raised their hand and he and uh, he said yes. And they said, because you didn't put anything in. <laughs> so his whole point to us was, you will only get out of it what you put in. And that stuck with me forever. That's awesome. <laughs> I like it. So you're saying all magic tricks are fake? <laughs> yes, that's my whole point. <laughs> yeah. So Camille, he's saying, okay, six, uh, 17 grand versus six grand. Obviously, that's one choice. But then it goes on to differentiate that he's getting into the regional campus of UConn, which is maybe a little bit different, a little bit smaller, less chances of research. And does should that change his decision uh, anymore? And I responded back to him already, and I, I obviously mentioned the first thing, that the, the cost should definitely play a huge role. Uh, you don't want to be in medical school and, and have this huge burden of undergrad debt, even though you don't have to start paying it yet because you're still in school, you're still in, in your educational journey. But the other piece of that was, again, you get out of it what you put into it. So... There are plenty, you, you, you will be able to find plenty of research opportunities at a small regional campus. You'll be able to find plenty of shadowing experiences. There are doctors everywhere. So you can find some shadowing experiences. You can find maybe some clinical research experience, maybe not bench research. Maybe they don't have a lot of labs doing research, but there there's plenty of opportunity there. So if you can go to a regional campus for a little bit, it might be a little bit cheaper too going to a regional, I don't know. And then transferring to the larger campus after a couple of years or staying at the regional campus. It's it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I think people, I agree. I think people worry a lot about the name. And I think, again, you, your grades 
will speak for themselves uh, and and the other things that you've done, your MCAT scores, all these different things. The, the name is less important. All right. Next question. All right. So this next question is from Tahara. And um, he is asking about, uh, actually, I think I apologize. She is asking about autobiographical sketches. Uh, she says that she's actually a Canadian student, yay Canada, and um, she's looking at um, the different applications and, and some are asking for a personal statement, but in some of the Canadian schools are asking for an autobiographical sketch. So her question is, what is an autobiographical sketch and how do you write one? So I think uh, to answer first, and we did a little background on this just to verify, but an autobiographical sketch, for the most part, when people are asking for that, is is another way of of saying personal statement. It's basically it's not asking for your autobiography, which would be your entire life story, but it's asking for basically a, a snapshot of of you, a snapshot of your life, and uh, what are the major meaningful things or experiences in your life that make you who you are. It's a personal statement. It is. And it's just another way of sort of of saying that. Um, So the thing not to do, I would say, is my name is so-and-so. I was born in so-and-so. And, and, you know, uh, and and kind of go from there. I worked here. (laughs) Right. Don't Don't make it a timeline. Right. So number one, don't make it a timeline. Uh, I would think, well, even before that, number number one is is try to. So these are just some general tips then, because she asked, you know, how do you write one? So these are we'll just provide um, quickly some some tips on on how to write a good personal statement. We talk a lot about this in the academy, where we actually review, help review people's um, personal statements for them. But uh, number one would be try to hook them. So you you want the hook, as they call it. It's it's an opening statement that is going to get me, the reader, super interested in what you're going to tell me. And the reason is you have to remember these admissions committees are looking through hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of applications and personal statements. So if you start out by saying, my name is Allison Gray and I was born in Dayton, Ohio. Okay, that's nice. Next one. Because that's just boring, right? Versus... I rushed down the hall and I mean, I can't come up with something super interesting on the spot because I'm not the best creative writer. But the point is, you know, something which is, ooh, what are they talking about? That's interesting. I want to read more. So hook. there's there's a, a term that I heard today, which I, I need to find. I need to dig around some more and, and expand on it to so make it salty. Ooh, because then you want more. Yes, you want it. You want <laughs> You're, it's it's. You need to quench your thirst yeah. and keep getting more. I like that. I like that a lot. So yeah, so make it salty. Um, so really try to hook the reader because again, you have this these you know five thousand characters or so to really hook people, get them to to get who you are, and and you're done. Yeah. So the, the goal is for an admissions committee member to read it or glance over it as they will probably do. And want to find out more about you. And i.e. interview you, right? So um, don't make or break yourself. I mean, don't break yourself based on this. Try to just uh, get them interested in who you are. So try to provide a a catching first line. Um, Definitely one thing Ryan and I always talk about, uh, this concept of uh, write drunk and edit sober. So that doesn't mean that the folks at medical school headquarters are telling you to go out and get drunk. We're just saying uh, try to 
write as if there are you're just writing from the heart you're there there's no no red tape no no editing just just write and a famous person said that we don't say yes that. that's true that's true exactly so the reason is that you don't want to be um preventing yourself from getting all of your great ideas out there the time to edit is afterwards mm-hmm. once you've you know have have a whole mess of of words on the paper and and ideas. I think the best place to start from, because a lot of times people write in and they say, well, what am I going to write about? I have no idea what to talk about. How do I start? The best way to start is just sit down and if, if it's hard to write, just talk it out. Um, and Record I know I, it on your phone yeah, or anything. Exactly. Or just pull your significant other or your best friend aside, your dog even, whatever, and just start talking about what are the key experiences, clinical experiences you've had where you interacted with with a patient that really propelled you or solidified for you in your mind, this is why I want to become a physician. There, are, I'm sure for all of you out there who've had clinical experience, you hopefully have had at least one or two of these experiences that were just so meaningful to you for in one way or another, either because they were tragic or because they were um, so exciting or, or just whatever it was. You'll you'll carry those stories with you, those experiences forever, and you can draw from those when you're writing your personal statement. Another reason that we always say, if you can, keep a journal with you. Um, yeah. So those are some just some basic points about about how to write a good or at least a starting place to. to yeah. um, and if you're interested in learning more, you know, um, certainly in the academy, we we talk a lot about it. But um, I'm sure at some point, Ryan and I'll do a, another podcast about uh, personal statements. Yeah, we did one. It was a little bit more towards residency personal statements, uh, but we did another one um, with Vinny, Dr. Vinny um, Aurora. Yes. But uh, two other tips on that. So the right drunk, edit sober, and then show, don't tell. Oh, that's my other big one, yeah. Yeah. That's another big one that we heard somewhere else uh, that we kind of stole um, but it's just generally good advice. We didn't steal. We borrowed. We borrowed. We always borrow. Uh, and it's, if if you're reading your personal statement, and it's something I look for, if it's I, I, I did, I saw, I, 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 then you're, you're telling. We're looking for showing. So if you say, I'm uh, empathic, or I enjoy working with uh, the impoverished, or I enjoy um, the operating room, or whatever. Show us how you enjoy that mm-hmm. by talking about your experience in the operating room. Show us a, a moment in your life where you were empathic. That's what we're looking for. That's what admissions committees are looking for. Yeah, I, I always feel like, oh, when I read, when somebody writes that, like, I, I am an empathic person. It's like, oh, gee, just show me that. Don't tell me because yeah. it just, it's so different. And then the other piece of advice, just writing advice, is you don't have to write from start to finish. Oh, yeah, not at all. You can just start writing about a story and then jump around and, and just keep writing and, and worry about everything and at the very end, yeah, and, and a lot later. of people say don't write the beginning until the end. Once you understand what the whole picture looks like, then you'll write a better beginning. Definitely, you know, write it all out, organize it, and then the final thing is don't forget to edit for grammar and typos because the last thing you want to do is have this beautiful personal statement and then they find all these spelling errors because you were just worried so much about the content that you forgot about the the silly stuff, but it, it'll stick out like a sore thumb if you have some typos in there and, and spelling errors. So just, just check those over at the, before you submit. Yes. Seems like a no brainer, but it, you, you know. would think. Yeah. 
and and I've talked to admissions committee members that say they'll they'll toss uh, an application for spelling stuff. Yeah, because it's just it's again it's sort of you know it's just it, it may come across as being lazy or not caring enough, and that's the last thing you want to to say, right? Yep. So the last question here from Meredith, who's a high school Spanish teacher, which is awesome. She's definitely non-traditional. Mm-hmm. And she's asking about questions to ask while on admissions tours or questions to ask maybe during an interview, questions to ask in general to find out some more about a school. What are your thoughts on that? I think that uh, I would just, in terms of like the do's and don'ts. So I, I think you can't really be faulted for asking any question, even if there's something that you read off the website and you feel like you want to ask something related to that, you're not going to get faulted for that. I mean, you're, you're showing interest. You showed up number one and with, with a question. The last thing you want is to not have any questions. That's not good. So if you're in an interview and, and they say, what questions do you have for me? At least if you, if you ask a question that's pretty easily searchable from the, the website, okay, fine. But ideally try to have something which is not so boring. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Something because, that you can find black and white. Yeah. Um, because you want to, the idea, okay, so let's say you ask this question and they give you the answer. Okay, then what? Right? No you know, follow up, no discussion. Yeah. You want something, if you can, that's going to show that, you know, you're, you're trying to stim, uh, stimulate discussion. So um, recently, just to give an example, uh, we were talking with one of our, our members about, uh, he's applying now to medical school. And one of the schools that he's applying to, uh, their school is actually on probation right yeah. now. Well, we were doing a mock interview with him. We were. And this is a question that he came prepared with. Yes. And uh, it's interesting because someone might say, well, gosh, you know, you're going to ask it. So he he was going to ask, you know, why, not just why are you on probation? Because I think that was easily uh, searchable, but more. How will this affect me? Right. How will this affect me as a student? And that you might say, well, geez, that's kind of touchy. That's a touchy subject. Um, but really, that's great because it's it's showing that, number one, you've done your research. You know what's going on with the school. You've tried to, or at least you've tried to find out what you can about what's going on with the school. And you're asking a really insightful question. How is that going to affect my education? And it's going to stimulate, uh, I keep saying stimulate, what I mean? to stimulate discussion with that other person. So don't be afraid about asking hard questions. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, well, what do you not like about being an educator here or something that's kind of just negative, but I, I don't think you need to be afraid about asking more more tough questions that can really, um, really stimulate a lot of that that good discussion uh, at, an, at an interview. Yeah, opinion-based Opinion questions based, yes. are okay. And that's something that, we had talked a lot about uh, with um, with Dr. Wagner back in session 19, which uh, all these session numbers that we're talking about, you can get at medicalschoolhq.net slash and then whatever number of the episode or session. Uh, or you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash podcast list and that'll give you everything. Absolutely. The- but with, with Dr. Wagner, yep. she's been the dean of, dean of admissions at three different medical schools at uh, Rush, Chicago's Pritzker School of Medicine, and University of Colorado. So she knows her stuff. Oh, yeah. This, this has been her life. And we talked about questions to ask. And so go back and listen to that one. Uh, but she definitely said opinion-based questions are okay. And actually, one of uh, a different mock interview we were doing with one of our applicants, the Academy applicants, was... He had asked, uh, would you want your daughter 
to go to medical school here or your son or whatever? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good question. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. Yeah. The other thing too, I would add, the uh, Meredith also asked about what you can ask on tours. So tours are often different because they're they're given by a student, a current medical student. And in that situation, I do think it's totally acceptable and actually a really good idea to ask that student what do you not like about being here? Or maybe phrase it differently. What have you found most challenging about being a medical student here? I think that's that's probably the best way to ask that question. And the reason is, this is your time. I mean, this is the key time to find out that information. Now, they may, I really don't think, I mean, some schools, some students, they might sugarcoat it, but really, they don't need to. There's no reason for them to sugarcoat it. Everybody wants to get into medical school. So it's not like, you know, it's some cush, um, some job and they're trying to make sure they only show you the good side of it. No, I mean, they're probably going to be honest with you about what the challenges are. I can tell you if I had given a tour uh, in my medical school, I would have been been very uh, blunt about what, what was great, what, what was challenging. So don't be afraid to ask that information because it may be your only opportunity to really find out. Um, yeah, and, fl- and if you don't go on a tour beforehand during your your interview day is a good time to go find some students and typically you're available yeah, at to lunch, go ask students. Absolutely. Students are the best people to ask questions to. They really are. They're on the front lines. They're doing this and they're a hop, skip and a jump right from where you want to be. So ask them those questions. Lunch is a great time often where medical students will sit with you and, and can answer your questions. I would just say be cautious too because you're you are always being observed. So if you if you say something because you think it's sort of a casual encounter with a student, a medical student, and you don't think that they're really, I mean, remember, they're working closely with the admissions committees. So yeah, they'll you don't go wanna, back and give feedback. Right. There, there will always be feedback. But, but don't be afraid about asking challenging questions. Nice. Just, oh, one final piece of advice. Don't ever argue with them about <laughs> um, the, the price of parking because I kid you not, I think I've told this story one other time on, on the podcast. There was someone, um, the residency program, uh, not in the program, but an applicant who, who actually got into an argument about uh, <laughs> the cost of parking. and uh, For that day or for like if he was a resident there? No, if, she... for, if, if he or she were a resident there. Wow. And I'll tell you, I mean, it wasn't super cheap but it wasn't super expensive it doesn't matter though i mean this was a very accomplished person from the story that i've heard and uh the application was tossed in the garbage so sad so <laughs> <That's> sad awesome. <laughs> but if they're gonna yeah i don't want to anyway but yeah so um but great question meredith okay any other final thoughts allison I think just just keep sending us these. And like Ryan said, we love any form of question. Audio is the best because it allows us to hear directly from you and your lovely voice. We won't butcher your name then. And we get to uh, really um, even more clearly get get to interact with you. But keep sending us your questions. If you don't feel like uh, speaking directly and uh, you have a little public speaking anxiety, then feel free to email us and we will try as best we can to get um, back to you as quickly as possible. And, and uh, we just love it. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about it a lot today and it was kind of not intended to, but we talked about the Academy a lot. I think it's just because we really enjoy it. We, yeah. We're having a blast with it. Yeah. And what we were talking about was um, in, involved with that as well. So if you haven't, if you have no idea what this Academy thing is that we keep talking about, go to jointheacademy.net. It's a an extension of what we do with the podcast. It's a group pre-med advising. We have a community of 70 plus pre-med students. We have other physicians there. We have medical students in there all offering advice. We do monthly 
question and answer kind of office hours. We do monthly webinars. This month, we we kind of pushed aside the webinars because we did three straight weeks of mock interviews for the students that are applying this year, helping them with their applications, personal statement reviews, all that kind of stuff. So it's awesome. Join the academy.net. Also, we want to remind you, go check out premedlife.com, our partner magazine, the Premed Life magazine. Awesome content they have over there. And one last thing I want to talk about today are the two five-star ratings and reviews that came in from, from you, from listeners. We have Ambie SJ that says, love it. This podcast has helped me realize that my dream of becoming a physician is attainable. Attainable. And that, I think I've mentioned it a couple times, that if if I can get one person that leaves Student Doctor Network and thinks that they can't become a physician and they listen to our podcast and they realize that they can, then then I've won, that I've done my job. Mm-hmm. And so that MBSJ just proved that we're doing our job. Yep. And so we're shutting down. Okay. <laughs> just no? kidding, JK. <laughs> JK, really? Anyway, uh, you know, we're not going anywhere yet. Um, so, Ambi SJ, thank you for that. And then we have Xavier Orozco PR, who says, hashtag best pre-med podcast. I don't know if that's a place for hashtags, but I love it. I love it. This podcast is just great. Third year computer engineer, comp engineer major. Uh, switched to biotechnology. And he said, he says keep going because he recommends the podcast to all his friends. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you guys so much. You. If you found this podcast helpful if you want to help us be exposed to more students that are looking for this type of content go to medicalschoolhq.net slash itunes where you can leave an honest rating and review five stars would be awesome but we realize um, not all of you think that so whatever uh, honest feedback you have for us that'd be great we're up uh, to 185 star ratings wow that's awesome that's so great it's just awesome thank you guys 176 in the United States. Wow. We have four from outside the U.S. That's awesome. All right. Um, So I think that's it for today. Yep. Um, Thank you for taking the time again, as always, to listen to us. Uh, We greatly appreciate each week you coming and uh, putting us in your ears and and running with us or driving with us and, and, uh, and learning from us. So... If you have questions, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash questions. You can leave some uh, audio feedback there. You can shoot us an email from there as well. So as always, again, I hope you learned a lot from today's podcast. And I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. Hey, if you liked listening to this type of content, questions and answers, We're thinking about starting a whole new podcast, a question and answer podcast, where we'll take one question from a listener that calls in and leaves a question, and we'll answer that. And we'll do that on on a weekly basis or maybe even more than a weekly basis, depending on how many questions we get in. So even if you may know an answer to something, but you think it's a great question that people should know, then leave us a question. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash question. Leave us an audio feedback question, and we're going to try to start a whole new podcast.